0: You will not get the spring of the human birth again. This is the Bhajan labna Manas bahar. on page 91. After making the promise, you forgot about it. It has become difficult to give the accounts of your deeds. You have forgotten the agreement. Attach your love in the feet of the Master. Finish the practice of being born and dying. Why do you stay away? Open your eyes and see the view. Within you is sitting the Beloved Lord. Awake and be conscious. The lost time does not come back to one's hands. Kripal explains to Ajay, Board the ship and sail across. You will not get this spring of the human birth again. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 91.
1: I'm
0: Bhajan is on page 123. The world is false. Life is destitute. Come, Kripalji. We wait for you. We wait for you. Oh, my giver, we are the sinners. Do not look through our papers. The boat is adrift take it across come beloved listen to the request listen to the request true is your love we have only your support we are the dirty ones clean us clean us the soul has to do your darshan but she is embarrassed oh giver you forgive you are the forgiver you are the forgiver this is the call of the jabe the heart string is resounding the world is false life is destitute come kripalji we wait for you we wait for you bhajan of sanchi on page 123
1: Jutrastham saar jinda gila chaar hai. Aao Kiri Parji, teđri intazaar hai, teđri intazaar hai. Jutrastham saar hai, jinda gila I see I know who jalla I
0: Is false. Life is destitute. Come, Kapalji, we wait for you. We wait for you. begin reading today with Master Kripal's Christmas Message, 1964, which has always been, I think, my favorite of all Christmas messages given by either Kripal or Sanchi. Although I like a lot of them, so I can't make a positive statement about that. I have been fighting a cold for the past week. Actually, I've been giving into it, um, so if my my voice is a little uh, under the weather. O Master Kripal says, dear ones creation came into being by the word or nam, the God into expression power. The whole creation is the temple of God. There is no place where he is not. In minerals, life is sleeping. In plants, life is dreaming. In birds and animals life is awakening and in man life is awake. As such we are brothers of all creatures, of plants, of birds and animals. So the flowers and trees, sparrows and doves are as members of our own order. How simple, pure, Loving and beautiful they are. We should learn lessons in leading lives of purity, holy simplicity, and divine love from them. We should love all, even the sinners and robbers. We should not chop off the whole tree, but give it a chance to grow again. We breathe the same air we drink the same water, we bask in the same sun, and live on the same Mother Earth. Day and night are two servants who are bringing us up. Man is the highest in all creation. Those who love God should love all. He is imminent in every form. There are sermons in stones and books in rivulets, We should live in fellowship with all creatures, with all life. Creation is one family in God. All rishis and saints had the vision of cosmic unity and loved Dame Nature. The whole creation is the house of God, and he resideth in it. Nanak. The rishis saying, Ishavasyam Idam Saravam. All that is is a vesture of the Lord. Nature is beautiful except when tormented by the hand of man. Man is a social being and has to live in some society. Numbers are no index to wisdom, yet, holy places of worship are crowded with them. We need these to be the purest and wisest men of life. The society should live by the law of love, be ruled by guardians of the moral law, and live a simple, frugal life. I am not after founding a sect, but after gathering holy men of life, of purity, of simplicity and loving devotion to God in all, and to all in God. It is no good to renounce one religion or the other, but to have inner renunciation. Like Saint Francis and other saints who renounced everything at heart, but were Christ-possessed, or God-possessed, with these words I send you one and all, my best wishes on this Christmas day to mold your lives accordingly, yours affectionately, Kripal Singh. This is an expression of a theme which is found in other places in the Master's writings too. And it is very important to keep this in mind because it is very easy when we're on a spiritual path to um, forget this. If we think too much in terms of the world being terrible, of um, you know the horrors of the physical plane and so forth, um, we should remember what Master says here. you know and if if you want to read the same thoughts in much more, detailed expression. Morning talk number 21, what the principles are of bhakti or devotion, picks up on this theme and takes it further. It's what has been called um, creation spirituality, in which you look on the created universe rather than with revulsion or with longing to get out of it as to see what lies inside it what gives it life and it is very very clear that Master is saying that God is there you know as it says in the first chapter of the Bible God looked at the creation that he had made and saw that it was very good and in in that morning talk Master says God is beautiful And anything created by him is also beautiful it is the smoke colored glasses that we are wearing that changes the perspective so this is a part, you know it's not the whole thing I mean there's obviously this point of view this attitude has to go along with um, the spiritual work and discipline that we are called upon to do but this underlies it you know it has to underlie it it is part of the deal and this is if we understand this if we understand that basically the whole creation is the temple of god and there is no place where he is not this is why we should love all even the sinners and robbers see it is why we learn lessons from flowers and trees, sparrows and doves you know it is true and Master says a paragraph down man is the highest in all creation but that does not mean that we can lord it over our brothers and sisters you know instead we're supposed to learn from them and and that way leads success Also, I think it's important to notice that this next to last paragraph, I am not after founding a sect, but after gathering holy men of life, of purity, of simplicity and loving devotion to God in all and to all in God. It is no good to renounce one religion or the other, but to have inner renunciation like Saint Francis and other saints who renounced everything at heart but were Christ-possessed or God-possessed this message is of course steeped in the spirit and in the imagery of Saint Francis so it is not surprising that Master mentions him specifically but his point is no good to renounce one religion or the other it is important for people to know that spiritual truth can be reached within every religion this is a part of the master's message it's in fact in this particular world I would say it's a major part of his message why Master Kripal Singh spent so much time and energy first with the world fellowship of religions then with the Unity of Man conference, with the concept of Manav Kendra, and with his, I would say, not willingness, but eagerness, alacrity, to have people from all religious traditions up on the platform with him when he gave talks. You know, I, I heard him, I was present at his satsangs hundreds of times in India, and I think the times when he did not have at least a Hindu and a Muslim, uh, holy man of some degree or other on the platform with him can be counted on one hand. And usually that was when he was in very rural areas. In Delhi, he in, invariably had one or two yogis and a Muslim, uh, clergyman on the, at least, at least that many on the platform with him and um, usually they spoke as much as they wanted to it was very important I mean part of the the master's message in this day when there is so much exclusivity you know so much um, identifying ourselves in terms of us what we have and assuming that the other person doesn't have it So, if we understand, and this often works, um, you know, unconsciously, it's like we think we're above that, but we still very easily fall into the the pattern of thinking of ourselves um, as members of the enlightened group, you know, and that um, the other people don't know. And it's important very important this is what is meant by the spiritual revolution of course is the same idea that god is in all to see that god is residing both within us and within everyone else is the spiritual revolution that is to see that and to live up to it and to act according to it to act as though The person that we meet coming down the street who may have ill will towards us is indeed also part of the Kingdom of God. So with that in mind, and I think his reference to St. Francis also should be taken as an indication of something that I have said from time to time. Uh, in many religious traditions, the holy people in those traditions worked entirely within them and um, working within them and without thinking much about other traditions they followed them through to the end and it's important to know that people have done that of course Ramakrishna, who Master referred to a number of times Uh, mentioned this fact about him, that he did practice um, Hindu, Muslim and Christian spiritual practices and in each case found that they worked and that um, the Master is saying here, you know, we don't need to do that all we need to do really is to stay within our tradition, whatever it is, and follow it through to the utmost and of course he gave us the means to do that but we, it's not that we are no longer this or that depending on whatever we were or are all right, I, along these same lines I want to um, yeah, here we go um... Master Kripal addressed a meeting um, of the ninth general session of unesco that's the united nations educational scientific and cultural organization which met in delhi uh, in december 1956 exactly 50 years ago this month um, he spoke at a meeting sponsored by the Society for the Uplift of Mankind uh, which was attended by delegates of UNESCO and his talk was on world peace in the atomic age and I have always found it. this was one of the early writings of the Master that I had access to. I came, started attending satsang. Uh, about 10, 11 months, 10 months later. And this was one of the things that were given to us, pamphlet form. I found it extremely illuminating and helpful, and have read it many times since. And it is very much along these lines that we have been speaking. So Master said, Mr. President delegates leaders and friends, it is a happy event to meet the distinguished delegates and members of the different countries of the world who have come to discuss plans and demonstrate universal brotherhood in action in the spirit of peace and loving kindness for all the world. I have love for God and for all humanity. Fully knowing that men and women of high attainments are present here, I venture to speak to you frankly what strikes my mind on the subject which is a main objective before us, namely peace of the world. Man does not live by bread alone. He has to live on the bread of life. He is a conscious being and has to know himself to live on God consciousness. Man is conscious entity, which expresses itself through mind and physical body. Unless he is liberated from bondage of mind and matter, one cannot have knowledge of self and of God. If mind is turned to the physical body and its needs, he becomes earthly. The inevitable result is jealousies and stripes. But if it is directed towards soul, it becomes spiritual. The result will be love and peace. The preamble to the UNESCO Constitution says that since war began in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that defenses of peace must be constructed.
2: All masters
0: who came in the past turned man's attention to the purification of the heart. If we want to change the outside, we should change our hearts first, because out of the abundance of the heart a man speaks. What does it avail one to wash himself outside if deceitfulness is in his heart? Purity in thought, word, and deed is what is required. The world is awakening to this truth, as is apparent from the fact that religious conferences and such organizations as this one are coming into existence for the purpose of helping mankind uplift himself, but violence and hatred still dominate the world and the doctrine of inequality of men and races is preached and practiced. Some like to dominate over others and exact and squeeze from others all that they can, and these would give little or nothing in return. All this has, as it were, formed habits that have entered into our nature. How can we change our mind and turn it to higher purposes mind like fire is a good servant but a bad master guru nanak said victory over the mind is victory over the world let us consider how we can conquer our mind and change our hearts people i do apologize uh, it must be very irritating Hoarseness, which, um, I don't know where it came from. Anyway, I, I don't feel that bad, so no one should uh, worry for anything, but there it is, I can't seem to get rid of it. Let us consider how we can conquer our mind and change our hearts. Man is composed of body, mind, or intellect, and soul. We have to develop all around. We have sufficiently developed physically, socially, and politically. We have become intellectual giants and made wonderful inventions, such as telephones, wireless, telegraphy, radios, televisions, airplanes, rockets, atom bombs, etc. But both physical body and intellect depend on the soul within, about which we know little or nothing. What does it profit a man if he gains the possessions of the whole world and loses his own soul? As we have not known ourselves, all advancements we have made on the physical and intellectual plane are going against us. In a European conference of scientists held recently, the president of the conference stood up and said in his speech that we have gained control over the forces of nature before knowing our own selves. That is why various inventions are going to help in the destruction of mankind. Had we known ourselves before we got control over the forces of nature, All these inventions would have gone to help in our uplift. All masters in the olden times, namely Buddha, Nanak, Christ, Prophet Muhammad, exhort us to know thyself. For knowing ourselves, we have to rise above the body consciousness by practical self-analysis. The scriptures say, learn to die so that you may begin to live. Christ said, except ye be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a very learned man. He came up to Christ and said to him, Master, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You will see intellectual people fail very badly when the practical side is concerned. Christ replied, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Don't you know that flesh is born of flesh and spirit of spirit? To be born anew is to rise above the body consciousness by practical self-analysis, to enable one to know himself in the over-self, which is called by so many names Kabir says the same thing learn to die a hundred times a day not once you must know how to rise above the body consciousness so as to know who you are or what you are intellectually we know so much about it but practically we know little or nothing It is a matter of rising above the body consciousness and opening the inner eye or the single eye to see the light of God by practical self-analysis, which we have forgotten. It is an old, old science. All masters who came in the past were fully conversant with these facts, but unfortunately we have forgotten them. Can we have an experience of this? That's the question. Can we rise above body consciousness? Can we leave the body and then come back? These are the teachings given by almost all masters, whether they came in one country or another. Malana Rumi said, my dear friends, learn to die so that you may have an everlasting life. So this is not a new thing, but an old, old thing which we have forgotten. So the Master says, yes, we can have this experience as surely as two and two make four. Very definitely, at the feet of a competent Master, as King Janaka had at the feet of Ashtavakra in a very short time. I need not dwell on this subject any longer. Those who may be interested in solving the mystery of life can refer to the pamphlet, Man, Know Thyself, which has been distributed to everyone here for further information. To achieve this end, man must have an ethical or moral life which is a stepping-stone to spirituality. Christ said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And one time a Master is quoting that, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, not others. Guru Nanak said, be pure, that truth may be realized. While pressing for the moral and intellectual solidarity of mankind, we have not laid any stress on the spiritual aspect of man, which is the most vital, but a sadly ignored proposition. It is a cementing factor running throughout all humanity, without which all our attempts in the intellectual and moral planes may succumb and collapse. On my tour of England, Germany, and the USA last year, I was asked how can we evade the danger of atomic war. I told the listeners we can avoid this if we but live up to what the scriptures say. We know so much about the Sermon on the Mount, the Ten Commandments, and the Eightfold Path of the Buddha for preaching to others, but we do not live up to what we preach. Be the doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, which is a quote from the Epistle of James in the New Testament. Reformers are wanted not of others but of themselves. Learn to live just as Yudhishthira, one of the five Pandas, did. The five Pandas, Pandavas, were the (coughs) the heroes or protagonists of the Mahabharata, the great Indian epic poem uh, of which the Bhagavad Gita is a part. Uh, Arjuna was another one of the five Pandas, and they were uh, basically uh, friends and followers of Lord Krishna. Um, but this is a, the story he's about to tell happens when they were young and I believe the teacher that he mentions is Dronacharya, who Master referred to a number of other times also. He was not a a spiritual master but he was a very competent uh, guru on some levels. It is said that five pandas were placed under the tuition of the teacher. And the teacher gave them a book, which started tell the truth, don't be angry, and so on. Four of the brothers memorized the full booklet. When the turn of Yudhishthira, the other brother came, he said, Well, Master, I have learned one sentence fully, and that is to tell the truth. And don't be angry, I have learned only half of that. The Master was enraged. He said, What will I answer to the king? In two or three months, he learned only one sentence. In another only half, he began to slap the boy once, twice, thrice. And he said, why don't you tell the truth? Your distress said, I do tell the truth. That I have learned one sentence to tell the truth. And the other only half, not to get angry. And now I tell you the truth, that in the beginning I wasn't angry. But when you went on slapping me, I got angry in my mind. So unless we learn to live as Yudhishthira did, there can be no advancement in any phase of our life. Food which is digested gives strength. If we put into practice what we have learned, all danger of an atomic war will be evaded. Now let us see what the scriptures say for our guidance. We are all worshippers of the same power of God, called by so many names. God made man in souled bodies. Our soul is environed by mind and matter. God is all consciousness. When we liberate ourselves from the bondage of mind and matter, we find we are conscious entities, souls we are as it were drops of the ocean of life if we know ourselves by analyzing ourselves from the physical body we will meet the world from the level of the body so we've got a very strong background to stand on namely god consciousness the israelites came up to christ and put to him the question our king demands a tribute from us what should we do and he told them to bring him a coin and when the coin was brought he asked whose inscription was on it when told it was Caesar's he said give unto Caesar what is Caesar's your souls are of God give unto God all masters' viewpoints have been the same as man is a social being and social institutions of various religions were made for the uplift soul, so that it may pass its earthly sojourn amicably and prove to be helping to all humanity as well as to aid one to know himself and know the over-self, God. God cannot be known by intellect, the outgoing faculties, or prana. It is only the soul that can know God. That is why all masters who came in the past, enjoined Know Thyself, they further gave two most important commandments. One, love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And two, love thy neighbor as thyself. For God resides in all hearts. We are all conscious entities being of the same essence as that of god there is one underlying unity as such we are brothers and sisters in the true sense of the word and form the universal brotherhood which can be cemented if the much needed inner unity is realized now we know all things intellectually as we have not known ourselves our inner eye is not open to see the light of God, which is all-pervading. When your inner eye, single eye or latent eye, is opened, then only you will see the same light of God working throughout all. You will have true love for all and true regard for all scriptures left by the past masters. All scriptures say that God resides in all creation and is imminent in every form. Guru Nanak said, We live and have our being in God. We should treat everyone as our own flesh and blood. Prophet Muhammad said, We are all members of the same family of God. All other saints said the same thing. We should, therefore, love all. Love of God and love of all mankind are the two great fundamentals or main commandments on which the work of all the masters hang. If we follow them in practice, there will be peace on earth. The kingdom of God will come on earth, and there can be left no danger of atomic war. There is one reality working in all. All mankind is one. The differences are man-made, arisen out of self-aggrandizement due to ignorance of one's own self. It is said of St. John that he was invited to a school. He came over and was asked to give a talk. He stood up and said, Boys, love one another, and sat down. The secretary in charge asked him, haven't you got anything more to say? He again got up and said, boys, love one another, and sat down. Again, the secretary asked him if he didn't have anything more to say. The third time he got up and said, boys, love one another. Love and all things shall be added unto you. To achieve this end, man must be ethical or moral. This is the gist of the teachings of all the masters whom we have with us. Naturally, whoever loves God will love all, naturally. Without love, no lasting peace can be maintained in the world, and without the spiritual aspect of man being realized, you cannot have true love. God is love. In our soul being of the same essence as that of God, love is innately enshrined in us. Shamas de Bray, a Mohammedan, said, If you be performing the outer rituals and ceremonies or worship for a hundred years, you cannot be true worshippers. If by doing these you have not developed love for him, you cannot be aware of the mystery of God. Guru Gobind Singh, the 10th guru of the Sikhs, said the same truth. Hear ye all, I am telling you the truth. Those who love, they get to God. The Bible also says the same thing. Those who do not love cannot know God. All others spoke in the same terms. A lover of God will be the lover of all masters who came in the past, a lover of all mankind and other creation, a lover of all holy scriptures, a lover of all holy places, and worshipper of places of pilgrimage. A lover of God will never think of molesting anyone in thought, word, or deed. He will be one, a true ahimsa, which is the highest of all dharmas, a nonviolent person, Two, he will live a life of truthfulness. Three, he will hold a high character. Four, he will have love for all, hatred for none. Five, he will lead a life of selfless service for the uplift of all humanity. These are the five pillars on which mansions of peace can be built. These five pillars are cemented by developing the spiritual contact within. He looks to the whole world as the house of God in the various countries of so many rooms therein. The governments are raised as custodians for the good of the people. They are doing their best to restore peace and order in various ways in the world. The United Nations was also formed to secure this end. The governments can control the bodies of men but cannot do man-making. Until the hearts and minds change, the world situation cannot change. Change must come from within. As I told you already, out of the abundance of his heart, a man speaks. The very words he utters are charged with it. If he has love for all mankind, naturally his words will be charged with love. Whatever comes from the heart, that goes to the hearts of the people. This is the sole work of really spiritual men, and not sectarian, who are to do this job, without which no government can be fully successful paid preaching. I am forced to mention this thing because it has done more harm to humanity than the helping of it. Paid preaching carried on by professional and narrow-minded preachers has made matters worse in all religions. Uh, they, instead of uniting mankind, have assisted in separating man from man. And I think, I mean, this is Statement seems kind of hard on clergy people who are often, of course, very sweet people and sometimes not even narrow-minded But you know, it's what Master is getting at here, and of course he did often work with paid preachers um, uh, Many of whom were Delegates to world religions conferences and so forth, but what he's getting at what the point is that the institution of a professional clergy creates a group of people who have a vested interest in maintaining uh, the sway of a certain religious point of view and uh, who have a lot to lose in a worldly way if anything should change that so Mm -hmm. that they are often, as we have seen, I mean recent history has borne out Master's point all through this, in fact, we have narrow-minded Muslim and narrow-minded Christian narrow-minded Jewish and narrow-minded Hindu depending on which part of the world we're in, uh, fighting each other destroying each other's places of worship uh, destroying each other and you know, killing themselves uh, in order to get to heaven and so forth and so on um, a professional clergy that abets this is indeed doing more harm to humanity than it's helping. And it very often is professional clergy in all of those religious situations. Look to the olden days. Four phases of life were prescribed for man. The first 25 years of age were spent to learn all the scriptures and other knowledge. After that, 25 years to attend the household affairs. After that, a man had to go into seclusion for about twenty-five years in order to realize his own self and to realize God. When he had realized himself in God, he was to go around from place to place for preaching to all mankind selflessly. Such persons were called sannyasins who were required to preach. All masters enjoin us to love God and to love all humanity with all our soul, with all our heart, and with all our strength. Masters who came in the past told us to go by the scriptures. How many of us should do this? At least those who are awakened to this truth should do that. Let them start from themselves. God wants reformers, as I told you before not of others, but of themselves. So many people sitting here say 600 to 700. If we just start doing that, there will be a change. Those who come in contact with you, they will also change. So you see, it requires a very rational way of preaching by those who have universal love, who follow the true import of the Holy Scriptures, which are with us today, fortunately. Had we come, say, a hundred years before or four hundred years before we would not have the scriptures or experiences of those who came within these periods, namely Ramakrishna and others. Had we come before five hundred years back, we would not have the scriptures of the Sikh Gurus, which is a voluminous treasure of divinity with us. Had we come another fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred years back, we would not have the Holy Qur'an with us. Further, go back to 2,000 years, if we happened to have come before that, we would not have even the Bible. 5,000 years back, had you come, you would not have even the scriptures of Buddha and Mahavira. So we are fortunate these days in the 20th century, that all those who came in the past with fine records of their personal experiences which they had with the self and with the over-self with us today. We can be benefited therefrom, but unless we know the true import of the scriptures, understand the one underlying principle therein, and live up to it, we are nowhere. What do they say? They advise us to have a robust physical life, to have an ideal moral life, and to know our own self and to know God. There are two kinds of knowledge. One is called Aparavija and the other is called Paravija. Aparavija consists of reading of scriptures and performance of rituals and other ceremonies, giving alms, etc. These are the elementary stages required for paving the road to spirituality. The main purpose underlying this is to create in us the interest for knowing self and knowing God and also to lead an ethical life which is the stepping stone to spirituality. For that, naturally, we have to seek the guidance of someone who has realized that spiritual life. The main drawback is that we do not know what we are and where we stand. Our soul is under the bondage of mind and matter. If you learn practically how to analyze yourself and rise above the body consciousness, you will see that you are not the body, nor the intellect, nor the outgoing faculties. We know so many things, but only intellectually. Is it possible to know oneself and know God? As I told you before, yes, it is possible by following Paravidja, the science of practical self-analysis in the natural way, which can be followed by men of all ages. Unless you know who you are and what you are, and what your relation is with God and all creation, you cannot be fully at peace. This, there is no matter of feelings, emotions, or inferences arrived at by intellectual wrestling as they are all subject to error. This is a matter of seeing which is above all of them and given out by all masters who came in the past. This applies to all irrespective of whether you belong to one country or the other or one religion or the other that makes no difference. Since man is a social being, and as such, social institutions were formed just to enable him to lead a life of high morality, of chastity, and of love for all mankind, and pass the days of life in peace. To achieve this end, we have to see the unity underlying all creation by knowing ourselves and knowing God. We have wonderfully developed in the way of science, but still, with all the amenities it has afforded us, we are not happy. The true happiness will come if you will know yourself. We were talking of the governments, that they can control bodies but cannot make men. Making of men, and of course, Master throughout this talk uh, uses the masculine term which today is very suspect, of course, but in 1956 it was quite normal to, and usually you assume that people meant men and women. Uh, I, I've often said that the term in the phrase, Man, know thyself, uh, which is the English version of which is a translation of the Urdu O insan ko kojan, Oh, human being, why don't you know your own self? And Master has explained that insan, which is the term translated man, uh, means it's gender-free, and it means one who is bubbling over with divine love, which is what a human being is supposed to be. When Master talks about man-making or making of men, this is what he's talking about. The making of true human beings, or if you like, helping human beings to become what they were born to be. So making of men, of insan, would be the job of really spiritual people. Look at the kings of old, like Dashrata, Ashoka, and others. Almost all of them had in their courts really wide awake seers of spiritual status whom they consulted in all matters affecting humanity as a whole and received substantial help in carrying out the work of their states without having recourse to the use of physical force. If similar guidance can now be had, it would go a long way to secure peace in the world. You will see that our success in achieving self-government in India without a regular war was mainly due to the wise counsel and guidance of Gandhiji, which were based on moral force with some spiritual background. All of us owe respect to him. If you follow the principles as I have told you, there will be peace on earth. It is not a new thing. It is already there in the scriptures left by masters who came in the past. They all gave out the same thing but we know all this only intellectually. The only thing required is to just put into practice what we know. Instead of preaching to others, we should start preaching to ourselves. Live up to what we say. There'll be a very definite change arising. It may be there is danger of war overhead, but if we at least know what we are and try to live up to what is said above, That will not make matters worse. That will help the majority of people. It is true when the house is on fire, a well cannot be dug out then and there. If we just start living up to what has been laid before us, namely love God, and as God resides in all hearts, we should love all humanity and all creation. That will go a long way to help us. In the Hindu scriptures, you will find that they give milk to the serpents, Gugapir, as it is called, because God is imminent in all forms. The question was put to Christ as to how we should behave toward others. and he said, love thy neighbor as thyself. When he was asked what to do with the enemies, he said, love thy enemies. The true spiritual man looks to the very God in all hearts, He works from that level. Such people, the more in number, will go to create more peace and love for one another. So with these words, let me thank you all for the patient hearing that you have given and take leave. After this, you will have a little picnic. It will be a good opportunity for those who would like to have a free talk on the subject as well. That was Master's talk. Uh, I do want to actually realize uh, Well, I want to conclude with two readings, both of which have to do with the New Year, which is, of course, coming up momentarily. This is Master Kripal's Christmas and New Year message for 1966. Which is exactly forty years old this month, and that is hard to believe for me, because these messages, when they came, and I read the, I like to read them from their original circular form, which is what this book is, it is a collection of um, Master Kripal's circulars, much of many of which are now in the book, the Way of the Saints, like the talk that I just read, but before that book and many others came out. Judith had this bound up for me um, uh, in 1968. And I love to go over it to look at the, the actual form with Master's pictures on them and so forth and to remember what it felt like when they came because these were huge things back in the 1960s. Uh, Master's latest messages eagerly awaited. You know, we, we didn't see them very much. He made, in my experience, two visits to the United States. Uh, some people, of course, experienced the and um, very few people went to India before the mid-60s. I could count them on one hand, basically. When Judith and I went in 65, um, it was a very pioneering kind of thing. I mean, Some people had been there, and there were, of course, people who were there as we were for the conference, but uh, you didn't see him much, and these messages were like, uh, they were like pipelines to the divine, you know, they were like water pipes through which delicious water came. Anyway, this one was somewhat sobering, Uh, came after a terrible year uh, during which the satsangis fought one another um, over issues of What now appear to be mainly power politics? But for whatever reason Master said dear ones This year is going out and the new year will soon be ushered in The present year is gone old Let it depart You need not worry It has been kind to you not so kind as it should have been but God willed it so. However, you must strive to be different from what you are during the present year. Strive to reach him. Be a true devotee. Crave for blessings from the Almighty. Pray for his mercy. Promise unto him that you will go up the divine path at any cost, and nothing shall deter you from achieving this object. The New Year will be happy for you if you do not waver in the Divine Path or slacken your pace therein. Remain firm and go ahead, caring for none and heeding none except the One, the Master. Follow your Master with full faith embedded in your heart. If the faith in the Guru dims, the disciple falters and falls. Faith carries him forward in the regions which are otherwise impossible of traversing. This new year means a new life to me, and those who are attached to me in the noble cause of God. In this period we have to make sacrifices, which alone lead to bhakti. These sacrifices will be of one's low desires, hatred, ill will, malice, name and fame, pride and egoistic life. Unless we are ourselves symbols of sacrifices, we cannot advance any further in the divine path. Without sacrificing all that we have, how can we reach his bhakti? New year has come. Be new. Leave the sloth of the old. Implicitly follow what is required of you. You failed to do so this year and you suffered. The mistakes are not to be repeated. And this message also, uh, we got on tape too, and I used to play it over and over. I cannot read this paragraph without hearing Master's voice saying these things, Uh, which is very powerful. A central place of worship should be established in the east and west of USA and everywhere where the refreshing waters of Nam may rain forth to soothe the lacerated hearts of thousands and thousands of grief-stricken human beings. They are unhappy because they are drifting away from him evermore. Blessed are they who are chosen in the setup of Master's work. Christmas and New Year is starting with happy congratulations. May your life be devoted to the service of the Lord and the Guru. May your body and mind get imbued with intense love for the Beloved. The teachings of the Masters have been 1. He who loveth not his brother abideth in death. 2. My children, Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Three, beloved, let us love one another, and Master puts in a parenthesis, especially who are linked with the silken bonds of love, of true brotherhood, at the feet of the Master. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Four, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Five, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, in God in him. And each one of those five are are quoted from the first epistle of John in the New Testament. Um, Biblical book which bears a lot of reading. The law of the kingdom is love. The entire code of conduct of one who belongs to the kingdom may be summed up in two thoughts. One, love of God, and two, love of man. Let us live a new life of peace, harmony, and love. The essence of religion is love, peace, humility, service, and sympathy. Love all not merely your relatives and friends. Love the sinner too. Bless them that curse you. Pray like Guru Nanak, peace be unto all the world over under thy will, O God. With all love, yours affectionately, Kripal Singh. In one brief paragraph, and I realize it's been very long-winded, Um, this is from circular number four standing at the crossroads of time we must make a firm resolve to do better from day to day at least from the new year's day that beckons us on with a promise of rosy dawn as there are landmarks on earth so there are landmarks in time The past and the future are like sealed books to us. The one is in the limbo of oblivion, while the other is in the womb of uncertainty. It is only the living present that is ours, and we must make the best use of it, ere it slips away through the fingers and is lost forever. Human birth is a great privilege and offers us a golden opportunity. It is for us to make or mar the same, for it is given to each individual to forge his or her own destiny as best as one may like to do. With lots of love and hearty best wishes to you all for a bright and happy new year. Kripal Singh. And our closing by is on page 78. Oh, my mind, look at the beloved Kapal. He who had the darshan of the Guru drank the cup of Amrit Nam. Oh, mind, become determined to have the support of Kapal. Whoever made his master sit in his heart finished the cycle of 84. Oh, my mind, keep the love for the glimpses of the master. Within whose heart the love of the Guru will come, for him the door of Sachkhand will be opened. O mind, memorize the hints of the true Guru. In a moment he removes the pains of the suffering ones. The ocean of love cannot be stopped. When he showers grace, the Lord liberates in a moment. The story of the love of the Master cannot be told. What praise can I do of the true beloved? Tell them, O Ajay, of the glimpses of Kripal. O my mind, look at the beloved Kripal. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 78.